Hi lovely listeners, my name is Lisa Marie Imray and I am the host of Coffee and Crime, a true crime podcast, where each week I sit down with a cup of coffee and talk about any kind of true crime story. So if you are interested in true crime, which I bet you are since you're here listening to this amazing podcast, or you like drinking coffee, then feel free to give Coffee and Crime a listen to. It is available on all major podcast platforms. You can also find Coffee and Crime on Facebook or Instagram, where the DMs are always ready for you to slide in with your thoughts and feelings, recommendations, or anything true crime related. So until then, be safe, be good, be better, and all that cheesy crap. And I will catch you guys over at Coffee and Crime. The Social Detective is an independent podcast. It covers information for awareness and educational purposes only. It can cover information that can be extremely triggering and disturbing to individuals. We can cover information about violence, sexual assaults against children and adults, murder, and other very violent depictions. There can also be use of graphic language. So please listen accordingly. If you or someone you know is in crisis, you can always contact the number 988 for assistance. Hey guys, it's Marianne, dog mom, baker, true crime podcast maker, and we are back with another episode of The Social Detective, where we are hoping that all of you can help us find the person or persons behind the stabbing death of Emma, who was 83, and Jonah Foster, who was 95. This was a sweet older couple who were just living their life in Wichita, Kansas. Then on the night of July 25th, 1975, they were brutally stabbed to death. That is the same day the Wichita Police Department had just dealt with a double stabbing earlier in the morning. What are the odds? Trust me, when you're working in law enforcement, You might have multiple shootings in a day, but stabbings aren't the type of thing you see every day. Now, it's been 48 years since Emma and Jonah have been waiting for justice. Their cases are on the Wichita Police Department website, but they're faceless. It just says, no image available. As social detectives, we know those are the hardest cases to get awareness on. The only thing that we've been able to find is this one picture from the couple's locket. It looks like it's from a locket, and it is the sweetest picture of the both of them together. Some people have asked, well, couldn't they have taken some post-mortem pictures? You might use those type of pictures when you're looking for an unnamed Those type of pictures do not raise the type of positive awareness that you want about the victim. And as we've said repeatedly, 
it doesn't matter the amount of information that's available on the case, the age of the victims, race, ethnicity, gender, sexual orientation, every case needs attention. Every victim deserves justice. So let's see what all of you can do to help us in getting information out there on the case of Emma and Jonah Foster. As you guys have noticed, we are no longer crime scenes and cupcakes. When I started this podcast a year ago, it was with the goal to raise awareness on the 1989 murder of my friend, Krista Martin. Starting a podcast is a labor of love, just like naming your child, searching for a name, as well as a logo that represented who I was in this podcast took a lot of soul searching. And after 20 years in crime solving and criminalistics, I'm aware that the crime scene is the heart of where the answers might lie in any case. And cupcakes, they were a therapy after a lifetime of traumatic events in my personal life, as well as seeing the worst that humanity had to offer in my professional life. Baking cupcakes were a bonding opportunity with my children. While I baked, they would gather around the counter and share funny anecdotes and tell me what happened in school today. When I was diagnosed with non-compaction cardiomyopathy, baking also became a mental vacation for myself. It was a way to deal with the imposed retirement and a loss of who I thought I was. But through baking, I rediscovered not only myself, but a way I could try to reinvigorate the investigation into the murder of my friend, Krista Martin, by starting a podcast. So I named it after the two things that helped form me into who I am today, crime scenes and cupcakes. But this podcast has evolved. More families have reached out to us asking for help in raising awareness on their cases. We have tried to stay local to Kansas, but we have been getting a call to arms outside of there. We will try to stay focused in Kansas because there are amazing independent podcasters who do the same investigative work and raising awareness that we do. And we hand those off that we can because we work together. So when we talk about solving with socials, it is about being social with the other podcasters as well. We aren't working against each other. We are working together in tandem with Midwest Mystery Files, True Crime B&B, Creme de la Crime, Method and Madness, Big Mad True Crime, all of us. We are all working together. Another one that is, as you guys have seen time and time again, is Patrick with Not Adding Up, is an amazing advocate in finding answers and justice in these cases. So we share a lot of these cases back and forth to raise awareness. It's working. 
we have gotten answers that we have handed off to law enforcement. I've been sharing Krista's case since the case has happened and since social media has gotten its startup because we know I predate social media. What really shocked me recently is as I was sharing an update of Krista's case on my personal social media, which has a lot of campus high school alumni where Krista and I both graduated, I had a comment on one of the updates that said, oh yeah, I knew Krista Martin. I didn't know she was murdered. Her murder happened over 30 years ago. This person lives right here. And I wondered who failed Krista at that moment. Was it me? Was it the police? Was it the media? They also added that they hope her killer is caught. That killer will only be caught when all of us come together to raise awareness on all of these cases. When it is all of the media, the investigators, and the social detectives sharing the cases and reminding the killer or killers that we have not given up looking for answers. It also made me aware that we needed to do way more in our own social media battle. Our brand has changed because our crime solving is changing. Detectives are now tweeting out crime scene photos, documents, and other evidence. Social media is becoming a key to bringing answers to families and putting names to all the does. Social detectives and crime-solving techniques are taking the forefront in getting justice. And so that's what we are doing here today. Yes, we don't have a lot of information on Emma and Jonah Foster's case, from July 25th in 1975, but we will take what little information we have, we will share it, and we will continue to look for answers until someone somewhere who has got to know something comes forward. So let's get into it. At 2.30 in the morning of July 25th of 1975, Vernon and Barbara Shaddy at 9801 Shade Lane, they had died of multiple stab wounds. Greg Shaddy, their 18-year-old son, he had been charged for the murders of his parents. That's when Wichita Police Department had been notified that another multiple murder had occurred in Wichita. But unlike the Shaddy case, police had no suspects for the murder of Jonah and Emma Foster. Now, as I said, Jonah Foster was 95 and his wife, Emma, was 83. They lived at 1643 North Volusia. Now, if you live in Wichita, you know these are on completely different sides of town. So Wichita police have one stabbing on the west side of Wichita and the other one on the east side of Wichita. When they get to 1643 North Volusia, they find Quincy Foster, Emma and Jonah's 65-year-old son. He states that his sister had been trying to reach his parents since the night before with absolutely no answer. 
This is completely out of character. When she wasn't able to reach them, his sister then calls him because she's really worried. So Quincy then goes to their home at 1643 North Volusia. When he can't get into the house, Quincy Foster then calls the police. A Wichita Police Department patrol officer then is dispatched to the house on North Volusia. And when he gets into the house, that's when he finds the couple. Mrs. Foster had a butcher knife in her hand. Blood was found on the floor, on the kitchen walls. It was everywhere. Now, police believe the knife, which belonged to the Fosters, that it had been placed in Mrs. Foster's hand because of the way the knife wounds were. They don't think she made these knife wounds. It looked like it was staged. Now, police don't think that knife that was in her hand is the actual murder weapon because they believe the knife that was used was actually a six inch blade. Autopsy reports indicate that these deaths could not have been a murder-suicide. Mr. Foster had two stab wounds to the chest, either of which could have caused instant death. Mrs. Foster had 13 stab wounds to the abdomen and the chest area. There is no way she could have done this to herself. The coroner's report listed the time of death as sometime between 7 and 9 p.m. that day. Both victims were found fully clothed and there is very little evidence of a struggle. And the motive for the murder is still a mystery. There isn't a lot of information as to whether anything was stolen from the home or any information like that. There is information from a neighbor who saw the Fosters sitting on their porch about 7.20 p.m. that day. So she believes that it had to have happened after 7.30. And she said whoever did it had to be awfully quiet because they never heard anything. They said their bedroom is right by the Foster's house and they knew they would have heard something if something violent would have happened. She stated that the Fosters were wonderful people and they wouldn't have bothered anyone. Now, police report other neighbors also state they hadn't heard or seen anything unusual that day. Now, again, this neighbor stated that relatives of the couple almost always checked in on the couple in the morning, but none did come by the following day. And there is that small photo that shows as if it was taken from a locket. And as I said, it looks like such a sweet picture of them. This was a horrific and brutal crime. And as you can see, there is so little information. It's just par for the course. It is so hard to share information on these cases when there is so little to share. 
this is what we do have. A lot of the violence seems like it was inflicted on the wife. There were two stab wounds that were immediate that the husband could have died from, from right there. Boom. Hit him, hit him hard, and it was immediate. The wife, there were multiple stab wounds, but for some reason, the perpetrator put a kitchen knife in her hand when it was obviously not the murder weapon. Why? Why did the perpetrator try to stage this crime as if it was a murder-suicide? Was this somebody who was known to the victims trying to stage it so that no one would look anywhere else? just makes you wonder. Now, if anyone has any information, if you have a tip, if you saw anything, if you've heard any rumors, any type of tip, anything, if you have any pictures of Emma or Jonah Foster that we can add to their site so they don't sit there with no pictures, call the Wichita Police Department Cold Case Detective Addie Perkins at 316-268-4379 or Detective Robert Chisholm at 316-268-4609. Please, this case has been sitting there for some time. This beautiful couple has been sitting there with no pictures on their case. And this was a horrific and bloody crime that happened that seems like it has just been forgotten in Wichita. Nobody should be forgotten and nobody should be sitting there without a face. Everyone deserves to be remembered. Let's remember Emma and Jonah Foster and let's give them their faces back. Thanks for listening. Be safe. Just I wanted to add a quick P.S. Don't forget about the Uncovered website, Uncovered.com. It's an amazing database. There have been over 200,000 unsolved cases since 1980. Krista Martin is but one of them. I am consistently updating cases as much as possible on that database. That database is changing. They are rebranding and they are expanding. Without that database, Krista Martin wouldn't be recognized. Her case would not be recognized. If you have a loved one that is missing, has a suspicious death, if you know of a case of a John Doe, Jane Doe, or any transgender, LGBTQ, any of those cases that need attention, you can submit those cases on Uncovered. There are social detectives, there are investigators, and there are journalists. There are other podcasters that are waiting to help 
and share that information. There is an amazing group. I do not receive any kickbacks. I am not affiliated with Uncovered in any monetary way. I believe in this organization because of what I have seen them do. Because Krista's case has changed and expanded so much in the past year. And I know her case will be solved before my heart anomaly takes my life because of the abilities of Uncovered. That is what my faith is in, and that is who I believe in. And if I believe in them that strongly, any of you who have somebody who needs their case heard, that is a great place to start. So I am encouraging you to go check out that website and see what they can do to help you too. Again, be safe and thanks for listening to The Social Detective.